I'm Jack Kennedy, and we're here to bring you the latest in MMA. My name is Hunter Boss, and what the boss says goes. What is up, everyone? My name is Keaton McNamara, and you already know what time it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy, alongside Keelan McMahon and Hunter Boss. UFC 280 was everything we expected as far as the hype behind it. It, it paid off. It delivered. Um, we have so much to talk about UFC 280 that this is what we're doing. It's just a free-flowing podcast today. We're just going to be discussing everything 280. Whatever comes up, comes up, um, because there's too much to talk about. 280 was crazy. Um, I mean, I guess we could start with... with the main thing that we're going to talk about before the title fights, which was Sean O'Malley versus Peter Yawn. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that fight was crazy. Yeah, that fight was insane. It was just oh. it was crazy. And, and anyone who calls it a robbery, I don't know about robbery. It was a very close competitive fight. I mean, yeah. I, went, I went back and rewatched it. First time I watched it, I had Sean O'Malley winning, uh, 29-28, rounds one and three. Yeah. Uh, when I went back and watched it, I could see why round one was so uh, – you know, mentioned when it came to the robbery. Yeah, uh, I could see it going either way. I do see it. I, I I could totally see how Jan won it with the takedowns then, and how Sean only had a few more significant strikes in him after round one. But yeah, it was a super duper close fight. And if anyone thought Sean O'Malley wasn't ready for the top of the division, they're sorely mistaken. Sean Sean's at the top. You know, a lot of yeah. people thought he didn't deserve this fight. We could see, yeah, he's he he's at the top of this division. He's been 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 beating scrubs and for a while now now he's he's ready to beat the top it's exciting i think i think this has to be the best jump anybody has made an opponents in the mma oh, history he's yeah. gone from Polyon paiva to Piotr young it yeah. doesn't make any sense but hunter you're absolutely right he definitely belongs at the top and i'm just going to tell everybody now before anybody sends me any more hate mail nobody sent me anything but if you do decide to I haven't had the chance to rewatch it yet, so I am still in my old perspective of Saturday night. But thinking about what I saw, I still think Sean O'Malley won. And I know a lot of people are going to find that controversial. But the thing we have to consider is this. He won the first round because Piotr Jan took the first round off to digest Sean no, and no. to absorb the skill set. I know Jack's no. not going to like me for that, no. but... No. I do still think that. No. Second round, Piotr Jan did win. He, he That was definitely a stronger round for Piotr. And then I th- I, th- I think what this comes down to at the end of the day, this fight, first of all, not a robbery at all. Hunter's no. absolutely correct. The thing that we have to consider here is this age-old argument of scoring criteria and what's more important. Jan probably had more control with the... T- well, definitely had more control with the takedowns. But A, he didn't do as much damage with the takedowns as I thought he would. I basically thought if he got O'Malley down, O'Malley would be finished, basically. And O'Malley defended them really, really well. And secondly, the more impactful strikes, I would argue, went to Sean as well. Now, without the knee in the third round, I think Jan probably wins 29-28. I just think the fact that nobody has done that to Peter Jan, not even Corey Samhagen, not even Aljamain Sterling... I think that's probably what wins Sean the fight, if we're being honest. I think that one flashpoint probably changes it for those judges. 
Okay, yes. So look, I I I rewatched it two times actually because I wanted to be very whenever for those you know a little bit of backstory. That was a competition. I only watched it once, but Jack watched it twice. So <laughs> listen here, here's all right? Why. Here is why because I came into this podcast thinking we have two absolute Sean O'Malley think they won person and one I think that Pyrion won right because yeah. we were in the group chat while we were watching the fight it, it got a little heated in, in the it moment. Um. <laughs> One thing everyone has to agree on, round two, Pyotr Jan, round three, Sean O'Malley. If yeah. you're watching the fight, you know the fights, yeah. that's obvious. What it comes down to is round one. So I don't know who I'm arguing with, but I did the research and I did some stuff, so I'm just going to argue with myself. <laughs> he doesn't I'm, even know. I was, pre- I was prepared to argue with you guys, but let me let me give my case for why uh, Pyotr Jan won round one. Again, it was a very close fight. Uh, Sean O'Malley also, despite all of this, proved that he is absolutely worthy of top five at bandweight. I was shocked at how well he did and he proved that he can hang with the best. And I'm honestly not even upset that, you know, if they go that way, he would get a title shot next. Cause I think that's fun. I would love to see that fight. I think that um, Sean O'Malley literally, I was so impressed. I'm so much respect. And that dude deserves to be up there. He deserves to be at the top of bandweight despite all this. However, that being said, I do think Pyotr won the fight. Um, we've already talked about round two. We've already talked about round three. Yon, Sean O'Malley, right? So 1-1, one, one, but we go back to the first round. In the first round, here are the, the significant strikes, or not, total strikes in round one. It was 23 to Sean O'Malley, 19 to Pyrion. So a four-strike difference, right? That's not crazy. Um, you talk, you look at round three, it was 40 strikes to 15 for, for Sean O'Malley, the advantage. That's absolutely a big difference. Um, and round one, four strikes is not huge. However, it is enough to, if it was just that, you give the round to Sean O'Malley, right? Um, but it wasn't just that. Pyrion did land a takedown. Now, obviously, he didn't do too much with it. He didn't, you know, advance too much for submission. He's more just trying to hold position with Sean O'Malley trying to stand up. However, he did hold the position for about 50 seconds, and that counts as a takedown. So, in my opinion, that makes up for the four strikes plus a little bit, which is why I gave Pyrion the round over Sean O'Malley because he did have about just under a minute of of holding him there and the strikes were close enough. So I edged Pyrion round one, Sean O'Malley round one, round three, and then Pyrion round one, round two, which is why I edged Pyrion the fight. And I think a lot of, um, actually you guys talk real quick because I got I to gotta pull one more thing oh. up, but. Well, help me oh. my, my memory, Jack. Um, yes. I'm, I'm having trouble to remember. In that yeah. first round when he was on the ground, was Sean threatening submissions off his back while not, John was holding him there? Not, he not did the first the triangle. He did threaten the triangle, but he more just threw his legs up there. Like he didn't really lock anything in. It was more just trying to threaten the triangle to stand up. So he didn't really come close with anything. He also threatened the Kimura, right? To get up. Or was that was that, that round was, one? That was, was that round, round three, two? I think. That was round three. Was that? Okay, gotcha. So I, I get those mixed up. Yeah. And that's a great argument, Jack. I don't I don't know if I can really defend that anyway. Well, um, I actually, I actually think I can argue it. Um, I mean, I'll argue anything. I don't care, but um, I'll have a whack at it anyway. Yeah. I think the problem with the scoring criteria is that we know what's prioritized. Okay, we know striking's number one, takedowns are basically number two, and I think Pyrian deserves a lot of credit for the takedown. I'm certainly not taking it away from him. The problem is that there was nothing done with the takedown. Like if he was, if he did what Islam Makachev did, basically we'll get into that later on. Yeah. If he did that and he was basically swinging for O'Malley, trying to decapitate him, then yes, I think the first round goes to Pewter. The problem is this 
idea of taking someone down just to hold the position to win the round, he's not advancing anything. And even if O'Malley's just throwing his legs in the air to activate uh, standing up, it's still doing more on the ground than O'Malley, than Jan's doing on top. This is the problem that I had with what Peter Jan did. If he was doing more of what he did against Aljamain Sterling, then there's no argument for not giving him the first round. The problem is if all you're going to do is take someone down just to hold them there, you leave it in the judge's hands. And that's what you can't do. Look, that's valid. But where I'd still differ is that surely a takedown is worth more than just one strike, right? And there's no set detail for that, right? Or or four. So even though it was, you know, he didn't do much with it on the ground, right? He still held him there for 50 seconds, which is a, a decent bit of the round. And he got a takedown at that, which I still think makes up for the, the difference, the four strikes on the feet, because it was competitive on the feet, almost dead even on the feet. And then Pyongyang got the takedown. In my opinion, that wins him. The but how much, how much credit do we give Sean for getting back up on his feet? That must count for something as well. It counts, it counts for something. It just doesn't count for 50 seconds of control time. In my opinion, exactly. I, I'm going to step in here too. Um, when it comes to scoring takedowns, uh, this is just coming from me and what I've seen from UFC now. Um, you really judge takedowns more heavily when there's less activity in the round. And since that was probably the least active round of them all, I would judge that takedown more, um, important than the other takedowns in all the other rounds yeah just because there was less happening um i know they both got wobbled at one point in, in the first round uh that's why i would put the striking dead even like jack said with the extra takedown thrown in there too it really just depends on how you judge that ground game do you judge uh sean o'malley for threatening to end the fight more or do you judge peter yon for knowing that he's winning this this time on the ground you know it's it's, it's hard to judge it here it's it's I, I would lean towards Peter Yawn now that I've seen the round back, but I also wouldn't necessarily necessarily say it's a robbery. It's not and a it robbery. It works better for the pantomime division, if we're being honest, right? If Peter Yawn won that, we would have had a third Aljamain Sterling fight. And I mean, everyone would like to see that. Don't get me wrong, but we want some new blood in the pantomime yeah. division. We want some yeah. we want some stuff mixed in the top five. Sean O'Malley, great, great person to have in the top five right now. And, and oh, knowing, yeah. how the, knowing how the Aljamain Sterling Peter Yon fights have gone, there would be something something controversial in there. Something would have gone wrong. <laughs> I think basically what this fight was, and I think the reason we're disagreeing the way we are, is that this was basically the three-round version of TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen. They're basically dead even, and there's no real way to split them according to what you prefer. Jack's argument's excellent. I have no arguments with it at all. I think it's an incredibly firm, well-construed argument. My argument as well, though, is is when it comes to wrestling, it's a bit like when um I think it was when Bilal Muhammad fought Stephen Wonderboy Thompson as well. Bunch of wrestling control, bunch of takedowns, but didn't really do anything with it. And I think having takedowns for takedowns' sake isn't a good thing. Yeah, you can keep someone down there, but why not do something with it? At least when Sean tried to get back onto the feet, he did something with the striking. I think there's an argument to be made that that's more valuable than taking someone down and doing nothing with it. But either way, definitely not a robbery. I will watch the fight again after this. And when we reconvene on Friday, I'll see if my opinion's different. It might have changed. We don't know. But either way, razor close fight. Wouldn't have been mad if Jan had got it. Um, I think all the arguments are there. But either way, I'm happy for Sean. You know, he stepped up way more than I thought he would. And yeah. it was an impressive win either way.
Yeah, I was shocked. It, it really how well he I did. Was like stunned. when he landed that knee in the third round, I was losing my mind. I was it's like, oh my god, is he legitimately hurt him? And the yeah, second yeah. round was just one of the best rounds of the year, if I'm being honest, because Sean O'Malley cracked Pierre He was really wobbly, and then O'Malley rushed in a little bit. I think he got too anxious, too excited, yeah. and then. Jan landed a big haymaker and basically dropped shot. It was crazy. That that round was awesome. The third round kept going. Like it was it was interesting because I also thought Sean O'Malley would have faded as the fight would go on. So did I. It's kind of the opposite. For the first time I've seen in his career, like he really just kept ramping it up against a guy in Pierre Jan who is known for ramping it up. So I mean, just I was just so impressed with with Sean O'Malley. Yeah, um, yeah you could uh, something I like to bring up too. Yep. Sean O'Malley in that first round did not look comfortable in the slightest. If we're being no, honest here, no. like he he was he was very calculated behind all of his strikes, and that's not what you like to see from Sean O'Malley. He has a very flow state to him. Exactly. Whenever he's flowing, he's landing, and he wasn't flowing in that first round. You know, there's there's just not there, and that could be a, a testament to his uh, his uh, his green. You know, yeah. he's very new in this division. He's very new in the top five. That's for sure. I want to know from you guys, uh, how do you think he'll fare up against other top five? You know, is is he also going to get this kind of star struck when he first fights, you know, say say he fights Aljamain Sterling next? I do Is think... he going to start out slow like he usually does? Or is he going to be the same Sean O'Malley we've seen in the past fights? I don't think it was actually a qu- – I, I think you make an excellent point, but I don't think it was actually him getting star struck. If you notice, the one thing Piotr Jan does excellently, he's a bit like Ivan Drago when he fights Apollo Creed. He closes people down so well that they don't know where to go. Sean O'Malley didn't get starstruck. His movement was getting completely sucked in. And he didn't, know, even though his footwork's incredible, his, he, you could see he was actually struggling to bounce out to the left or the right of the cage because Jan was completely penning him in to try and get something done. I think with I think the one thing Sean O'Malley will struggle with against other top fives, especially Aljamain, because he will fight for the title next year. I am certain of that. The thing that he'll struggle against someone like Aljamain with is the footwork. Because as we said, not to give anybody any spoilers or anything, but when we talk about the Aljo fight, the one thing Aljamain does brilliantly is the pressure. He pens people in really well. And Sean's going to have to work on exploding out of the space a lot better. But aside from that, I think the most impressive thing in this fight is what Jack said. The fact that Sean is the first person to ever really look, make Jan look human and really ring his bell, that was the testament to Sean for me. Yeah, I, that's a great question, Hunter. Um, Very good question. I, I think it's a bit of both. I think slightly... I, I would honestly, I'd say it was the moment more than anything. You know, I I, I do think what you're saying is true. Uh, what Keelan's saying is also true as well because of the style of Jan. And they both had to feel each other out in the first round, right? Which is why we saw the fight get progressively crazier and crazier and crazier. The first round was still a very good round, but it just got bonkers the later on because they started yeah. to the range out and they started to land. Um, but Sean O'Malley really got in, like you said, flow state. But Sean O'Malley's one of those guys, like Connor used to be, who yeah. fights loose? Who who who's comfortable? And walking in, he looked he looked loose walking in. Walking in, he looked good walking in. But once the fight kind of started, um, I think it was the moment because this is far and away n- nothing even close. The biggest moment of his career right here. He doesn't have to win. He just has to not lose in ten seconds, in my opinion, going into this fight. He has to prove that he deserves, and he did that. 
more than he did that. He proved he absolutely deserves to be in the top five and honestly maybe get a title shot off of this fight. Um, And I think it, I just, anyways, I didn't answer your question. To answer your question, I think going forward, it won't be a problem because I think this was the moment. I think this was, do you deserve to be here? And he was a little nervous at first. You could tell a little hesitant, just kind of popping the jab, getting his range. But he proved that he does deserve to be there. And I just, like, honestly, also, just in general, who do you guys think is scarier, Aljamain Sterling or Piotr Jan? Or, I mean, I I go Piotr Jan for first fighting him because um, yeah. Piotr Jan doesn't have a super clear weakness. Aljamain Sterling is not great on the feet, but he's unbelievable on the ground. Piotr Jan is good everywhere. So... I think that's I think that's why I'd say I think for the future, no matter what, I think Sean O'Malley's gonna be right off the bat in that flow state, good to go. What do you think, Hunter? I really I really agree with that. I think that's an excellent point, Jack. This was Sean O'Malley's watershed moment. This was his do you wanna be a fighter moment? You know, old school throwback people will know. Mm-hmm. Um this was really his this was his watershed moment and um, that's the word that i'll use and he passed it you know even if he'd have lost the decision he would have passed it with flying colors because nobody has stung Piotr Jan that badly ever even when jan lost and um, i think like his only one other fight in his career that he lost nobody has done that to Piotr Jan. nobody might ever do that again to Piotr Jan. But Sean O'Malley can always say that he's the guy that not beat Piotr Jan, but the guy who wobbled Piotr Jan really badly. That is the achievement here. You know, Sean O'Malley won't live off of the win. That's not where he will go with this. He will go with the fact that he landed that knee, that he busted Piotr Jan's eye open, and that he rocked him. All right, yes, he got rocked as well, but that's neither here nor there. The fact is, Sean O'Malley, the only way is up from here, because Aljamain Sterling, Jack, and you're absolutely correct, Aljo was not as intimidating of a fighter as Piotr Jan is, and that was in the Middle East as well. So realistically, what Sean O'Malley's proven to himself is, if I can beat this person here, I can beat anybody anywhere. That's fair. I like it. I like it. Um, I also have a quick question. Just shoot off. Love it. Uh, do you think he's de- deserving of a title shot after this win? I personally don't think so. I think he needs one more tune-up fight. I think there's a yes and a no to that question. Um, Yes, for the excitement factor, because, I mean, he beat Piotr Jan at the end of the day. Um, there's no two ways around that. However, I do feel Bantamweight's such a loaded division that one more win would really do it. You know, I like my dream fight is Corey Sanhagen, Sean O'Malley. That would just, I think my head would come off my shoulders if I saw that fight. Um, I'm going to let Jack answer this one, actually. I want to hear what he thinks, but I'm 50-50. Well, real quick, Hunter, who, who are you thinking? Chido Vera for the tune-in fight, tune-up fight? I think there, there's two possibilities, okay. and, and Keelan's named one of them. Corey Sanhagen would have been a phenomenal fight, and everyone oh. knows that, too. But also, everyone knows that Cheeto Vera rematch would be wild. It'd be crazy. And there's also one thing I'd also like to say. Peter Yan is no longer the best boxer in the uh, bantamweight division, if we're being honest here. Yeah, if man. We're, if we're going to lay all the cards on the table here, Sean O'Malley is on top when it comes to striking. That jab was crazy. That jab oh. was electric. You know, that straight right hand. Oh. straight right, you know, all of his strikes is just arsenal. is so effective against any striker, honestly. I don't know how... It, it'll fare up against a wrestler because if we're being real here he hasn't faced any pure wrestlers you know that, that's a big that's thing true. to not face and well after you just beat the number one contender right yep. you know this is Hamza Chamaya versus Gilbert Burns here this was his test and 
he passed against the striker, but he turned Peter Yan into a wrestler. So that's true. I think that in that's itself a big compliment. That's a, big win. That's a huge big win. compliment. That's uh, originally why I probably gave Sean O'Malley the fight. It's because Yan's a boxer and he's going for takedowns. It's not yeah. usually his sign. But he's a mixed martial artist. He's not a boxer. So I like it all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I would also throw in the option. I would love to see this. For me, it would be, I don't think, I don't know about Corey Sanhagen right now. I think Corey Sanhagen needs another fight to get back into the top five. Mm-hmm. I would say I'd like the Cheeto Vera fight, but honestly, I'd love to see a rematch. Five yeah. rounds. Uh, because I won five rounds. This fight needed five rounds. The way it was going, I, I, I five I, rounds. Yon wins easily. I I wanted to see it five rounds. I don't know about that because Sean O'Malley was catching momentum going on. I don't know. Sure. I really I want to see this fight five rounds. I would love a rematch. The way it ended was so close. Um, and then I, I agree with you though. I think one fight, one more fight. I think Cheeto Vera or Pierre Yon rematch, and either one of those, I would absolutely be down to see. Um, Guys, there's only one answer. Pride tournament. <laughs> We're still bringing cool. it back for for Bantamway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, guys. So that was the first, you know, of the three. We also had Benil Dariush on the card that did amazing. But I mean, real quick, there's this fight was kind of, in my opinion, disappointing. Like whenever I was watching it, because of knowing about the injury beforehand. But what do you think about you know T.J. Dillashaw and and Aljamain Sterling? I I I can't can't believe T.J. did it. Um, yeah. It was really, uh, really, really, really trying. It really showed how much TJ wanted it, which yeah. I love. Yeah. Um, anyone who's willing to risk themselves as much as he's already done is deserving of a of a compliment. And you know, yeah. TJ, TJ put it all out on the line. He um he tried his best, and it, it didn't work out this time around. But you saw it, even on the feet, he was still winning the striking exchanges. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah. With the, with the popped out <laughs> shoulder. It was still cracking. I mean, yeah, that was crazy. Uh, if we're being real here, I think we just we we forget and we move on about the steroids at this point. Uh, I think it it it'll stain his career, obviously. Hunter, but he what? hear me out, Keelan. He was caught for one fight, one fight, and that was when he moved down ten pounds and he looked terrible, right? And he got knocked out for it. He got suspended for two years. Came back. Shoulder popped out, and we don't give a fuck. Keep fighting, you know. Like it's 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 deserving that he's at least relinquished of the EPO title. Like we could remember that he that he tested positive, like Anderson Silva did, but we can move on and we can forget. Um, I'm gonna be totally honest here, people. Obviously, everybody else watching. Um, look, I have a really complicated opinion when it comes to TJ Dillashaw. We know why. Um, you know. EPO test, all that kind of stuff. And on the one hand, I massively respect him for stepping in and giving it a go. I think you have to give him his props, regardless of your opinions on him. I think to go in and fight that fight with basically one good arm is commendable. I do think it is. Um, I think he had a decent first round. And then when the arm popped, that was just it. I do think, just in my opinion, not that it's relevant in this case, I do think Aljo was going to win the fight comfortably. Um, and I think he was winning up until that point. But I give him props for fighting with one arm. I think he deserves a lot of respect for that. On the other hand, you know, regardless of our respect, we have to be realistic as well. Like TJ even said, he held up a division knowing that he was this injured. And we all knew this was going to be a fluff fight when we knew that his arm was this way. 
And one thing that doesn't sit right with me, and I know this is just trash talk, but I have to be honest also, you know, when they were in the when they were in the press conference on Wednesday or Thursday, and he said to Aljo, you're going to get beat by a drug cheat. You know, we have to call this what this is as well. I respect him, Hunter, but I'm not relinquishing him of the drug test. That stays with him, and that stays with any fighter who ever tests positive. Let's not forget, even though he was going down 10 pounds, he could have killed Henry Cejudo with that level of drugs in his system. The power that gave him, we can't just forget that either. You know, but it is what it is. I'm going to move on from that because that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, I respect him for going in and trying. I think that takes a lot of guts regardless. But this actually raises a bigger question. And this isn't about TJ Dillashaw. And this is not about Aljamain Sterling, who, by the way, was a dickhead for celebrating the way he did. Did not agree with that. All these bullshit Fortnite dances. You know, just no. All right. Just no. But what this raises the question of is the UFC's medical protocols. Because TJ Dillashaw seemed to make it clear that he was repeatedly injured coming into this fight. Why was it allowed to go ahead? I completely agree with that. Yeah. I completely there's, agree There's that. no reason the fight shouldn't even happen in the yes. first place. And like I said, I'm not a big TJ fan, as I've just made clear. But why he was allowed to go in there clearly severely injured, that's what I want to know. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page because honestly it ended up being a waste of a fight, if I'm being honest. Because it was like TJ was literally had no chance of winning the fight at all. Um, and TJ's going to fight because he's in Abu Dhabi, right? He's doing all this. But if you're literally telling the referee before the fight, hey, my shoulder's been popping out in and out of the camp for, you know, 50 times. Just, you know, if it happens, no big deal. We're going to pop it back in. Um, it just it ended up being because he, he couldn't put any pressure to escape off his back. So it, I don't know if you guys saw the stat. I thought it was fascinating. In all of TJ Dillashaw's uh, championship career before this fight, he'd only been, you know, controlled a minute on the ground. Hmm. Against Aljamain Sterling, it was five minutes. Now, Yes, Aljamain Sterling is that good on the ground, but I mean, surely a lot of that had to be arm. because of the shoulder. He did have one arm. Exactly. So, I'm, yeah, Keelan, you said something earlier that uh, Sterling probably would have won either way. I don't know. Like, I, that I, was my original thought coming into the fight was that Sterling would win either way. But TJ showed some superior wrestling and some good wrestling defense with one arm. Like, that's popping him, man. With what all you can right think about now being a fan of the sport is what do what you have done with two arms? Against the champion. I mean, on the feet, he looked great. We all, we already knew he was winning all those striking exchanges. Yeah. Could he have gotten up with two arms? I don't know. But all I know is he went out there and tried. So that's all I like. You know, if yeah. you try for me. And uh, when we're going back to the, to the hospital questions and the, uh, how should this fight even happen? Probably not. Um, but if we're being honest, he, he helped save the card. Who else would have stepped in on short notice against the champion at, at that level? Uh, Peter Yan and Sean O'Malley already had their fight confirmed. They're not going to change that. So that's that's a higher selling fight than Aljamain Sterling versus anyone else. Is if Sean O'Malley's fighting, you know, if we're being honest here, yeah. Sean O'Malley sells more than Aljamain Sterling easily. Oh, any day. Um, any day. If you could have asked, sure, you could have asked Cheeto Vera if he could have made the shortcut. You know, this is it depends April. on how long ago they knew about it. I don't know how long because it seems like it was a whole training camp thing. But do we know if TJ disclosed that to the UFC then? Um, because okay. if the if the UFC knew from the beginning of the training camp, then they easily could have got Cheeto Vera to come in. But if he told them a week or two before, that's a problem because right. then they yeah. can't get. Anybody. I agree. 
Agreed. That's a very fair point to make, Jack, actually. And to be fair, I hadn't thought of that. So props for bringing that up because I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, the only other point that I'm going to make about this, because I think we've we've all covered this pretty extensively. The one person who this put in a worse position than anyone was actually Mark Goddard, the referee. Because if, if you're rocking up before the fight telling him, hey, by the way, I might only have one arm to fight in a championship fight. What the hell do you do as a referee then? Do you let it go ahead knowing that one fighter is going to be debilitated most likely throughout the fight? Do you call it off backstage saying it's not in his best interests? I actually think we should give Mark Goddard a lot of credit for how he handled oh, yeah. that as well, because that is not an easy situation to have to manage. you got to remember, you've got shakes, you have princes, you've got royalty at Octagon side who have probably shown up in part for this fight as well. And to be put in that position and to be able to manage the way he did, I would actually love to talk to Mark Goddard about that because I'd love to know his mindset and what he thought about that situation. Yeah, I thought he handled it correctly. I think that's the right way to do it. You know, I mean, you can't say the fight's called off. Plus, I don't even know if he has that jurisdiction to do that because surely TJ was cleared by the medical team to be even in the locker room that night. So if he's saying that, then... Um, you know, I, I did think I think he handled it right. The last thing I got to say about this is I think still somehow the guys had two title defenses, but I think Aljamain Sterling stock just keeps going down uh, everything. It's it's kind of crazy to think about, you know, but um, he's have the wildest, you know, title reign so far wins by disqualification wins by controversial, really controversial decision, and then fights a guy with one arm. So it's like, what do you do with a guy like Aljamain Sterling and, and the way he handles himself? I don't know. I think. I, I still I don't think he really positively uh, gets anything from this experience still, other than the title defense, obviously. I've got a question. Yeah. What's next for Aljo? It might be Cheeto Vera. Depending on what they do with Sean O'Malley, depending on what that happens, they might do Sean O'Malley, but it might be Cheeto. They might I think there's him. there's one more that's gonna be that's gonna be before Cheeto Vera. Oh, I already know. You know who it is too. It's, I do it's know the who King it is. of Cringe Henry Cejudo is coming back in the testing pool. You know what? That might be true. That might be it. And this oh, is this is this is your litmus test here. This is if if he beats Henry Cejudo, in my opinion, he could wipe out the whole division. I agree, man. You know, I agree. Beats the what what was previously known as the best wrestler at bantamweight. That's that's got it for me. Shit, yeah, one hundred percent. And that's I feel like for me, that's the fight to make. I think bantamweight's a little too confusing right now. This is the perfect time to have Henry Cejudo step in. You could have Sean O'Malley do his fight in between there, and then the winner fights the winner. They could that. actually fight right. for the title. Yep. Well, right. we could give we could give Sean O'Malley Cheeto Vera. That's on a pay per view, no question at all. Yeah. We give Corey Sanhagen maybe Piotr Jan again. I don't know. We could do something with that, and then give Henry Cejudo Aljamain Sterling. They both want it. You know, they've made it clear they both want that fight. Cejudo's still a brilliant fighter. You know, your skill doesn't diminish just because you're away that much. Aljo needs a legitimate opponent. I think it makes sense all around. It really does. In fact, Sean O'Malley and Cheeto Vera co-means that main event, and I think you've sold it. I'd love it. I'd love it. Bantamweight is awesome. It has been, and it continues to be awesome. And it's just, it's crazy because the title is so controversial at the top, you know, and with all the stacked competitors, but I love it. Um, Okay, so Makachev is the champion. That's crazy. Uh, We all we all picked Oliveira, right? We didn't end up doing the episode, but we all picked Oliveira. I, I, I was shocked. It's how he made that look because he made it look easy. Islam Makhachev made it look easy. I mean, what what are your guys' thoughts on just what happened? I think uh, I think Islam's the champ. 
That's that's wild. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird to think about right now. That it's crazy. You might be in for another Dagestani wrestler uh, lightweight era here. Um, I don't know how much I like it though. I'll be real here. I feel like I already had my fill of of, of Habib, and now we got we got Habib back at the title. But oh, no. if we're about, I, okay, I got to give the fighter respect. He's not Habib. You know, Islam's not Habib. So he did great in the striking exchanges. Way better than I thought he would. Um, he was just all around the better fighter that night. I don't know what to do with Charles Oliveira. I have no idea what to do with him anymore. Um, <laughs> everything is fucking upside down to it's me. Crazy. Being honest. It's, it's weird. So crazy. I'm really excited for what's going to be turning out in 2023. I want to do an episode where we just say our favorite things that's going to be happening in 2023 eventually. Um, that's the New Year's episode. Definitely. That's the New, yeah, Year's, that's the New Year's episode. Yeah. episode. Yes. But, I mean, think about how exciting this year is going to be. I mean, we're going to have this fucking featherweight, lightweight, uh, type of tournament happening here. Yeah. One in Australia. Uh, uh, and I guess, I don't know where they're going to do the other one. Maybe, they can, maybe. Abu Dhabi. they can go back to Yaz Island. I mean, Volk's fought there before. Yeah. Um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fucking fun year, boys. Uh, Islam Makachev wrestling is insane. Uh, you could tell how experienced he was in the octagon. It's not like he'd been fighting scrubs like we've, we've been, we've seen him do, doing. Uh, his gym obviously has, prepared him immensely and i think their game plan going into the fight was absolutely perfect so i have no nothing bad to say about islam i thought the fight was fantastic um charles Oliveira, i was a little disappointed in i think uh he was he was misfiring in all cylinders that night i don't think his wrestling or brazilian jiu-jitsu was that um i don't think his striking was nearly as good as it should have been maybe he got starstruck in the moment i don't know what happened to him maybe the lights were a little bit too bright but that doesn't happen with charles Oliveira. so all I'm going to say is Islam was the better fighter that night. They could run it back. I wouldn't be mad, but obviously they don't have plans for that. So we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see through my hat, my hair is still red. So clearly I lost quite badly <laughs> in my prediction, sadly. Um, Hunter's right. You know, I I don't have much to differ from what he said. Islam Makachev was just ridiculously good, as he always is. Uh, he basically ran Charles over like a Mack truck. Um, I didn't expect that to happen, but, you know, Islam winning was never a surprise. You know, he's a ridiculously good fighter. He really, really is. The one thing that did shock me, and I don't want to give any ridiculously early views here or anything, but the one area that Islam has shown that he's better than Habib was in is the stand-up. Yeah. Because his boxing was very, very good. And to be honest with you, I'll, I'll give you my prediction of how I thought the fight was going to go. First three rounds basically would have played out the way the first round did. Pretty close. Islam probably on top. Charles working the guard from the bottom. And then from the fourth round onwards, Charles basically starts teeth kicking to the body. Islam starts slowing down. Charles slices him up in the feet and then wins in the fourth or fifth round. That's how I thought it was going to go. Islam nuked him on the feet, and that is where I was shocked. He hit him with a left hand that was so hard, you cannot believe. it. Basically, that shut the lights out. That, the fight may as well have been called off then, because he Charles got knocked down. He did not know how to get back up again. Islam puts in a very impressive arm triangle, and that you can see how tight that was. Charles was tapping down near straight away, and that's the most dangerous jiu-jitsu fighter we've ever seen in this sport. 
realistically, I can't say much other than Islam Makachev. Massive congratulations. I'm not looking forward to seeing the rain because I love the excitement of lightweight when Charles was champion. I love giving away the 10-8 round and then coming back and winning. That's what I love. You know, I'm just not going to lie to you. But Hunter, you asked a question and I have the answer to that question. You asked us what is next for Charles Oliveira. Do you want to know what the answer is? I know the answer. Retirement? The answer is Benil Dariush. And realistically with Benil, you can't deny him his chance at the title anymore. And what sells that fight even better is that we were meant to see Benil Islam and we never got to see it. Given how well he handled Mateus Gamroth, I think that's a closer fight than people think it is. I want to see Benil and Charles go at it. And if Benil wins that, then we're giving him Islam Makachev. International Fight Week 2023. Yes, please. Keelan, you brought that up. I'm so glad you did because I was going to bring that up if you didn't. <laughs> Benil Dariush, it was everything that like we kind of predicted on the podcast because I was talking about I think they're going to cancel each other out on the on the ground. I think they're going to be too good for each other, which is what happened. They scrambled, and Benil Dariush was just better on the feet. That's what it was. The dude has power, and he's pretty – He's I think he's improved technical, right, his, his technical ability. Um, I want to see that Islam Magchev fight, but while we were watching the Benil Dariush fight, I sent a message that I really want to see Benil Dariush roll with Charles Oliveira because that would be some of the highest level jujitsu you would see. I think that's the fight to make. I think, um, that's almost a number one contender spot. I don't really know what you do with Chandler, the winner of Chandler Poirier at this point, because that's another fight you could throw in there, but let's just forget that for now. I think logically, if you do Benil Dariush, Charles Oliveira, that could that could face the winner of Makachev versus uh Volkanovsky, right? Which we haven't even talked about that. That's that's insane. Um, anyways, the fight itself. Charles Oliveira, I think, really came into this taking it seriously. I don't think it was a game plan fault flaw necessarily. I think it was just like they just didn't execute whenever it came down to. It. I think Islam Makachev was just the better man on the night. And might just be the better fighter overall. That might have answered the question, the stylistic matchup that was going into this. Can the Dagestani wrestling handle the best jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner in MMA history, in Char- or UFC history, and Charles Oliveira? Um, and it did. And I think partly where I think Charles Oliveira and his team need to look at and go back to the drawing board at is one, one area of his game. And this is why, I, and I've been saying this, I think Charles Oliveira has had the most exciting title reign of any champion I've seen in my in my lifetime because he gets dropped every single fight and comes back. However, I think as that's been going on, as that's been working for him, he almost goes down a little too easy now. Like, I think some of the shots, if he really wanted to, he could just be wobbly on the feet for. Not that they're hard shots, but I don't think he needs to necessarily go down for those every single time. And against a guy like Islam, Islam wants to be on the ground with you as well. So Islam dropped him, and usually Charles Oliveira can recover on the ground a little bit. No one wants to come into his guard. Islam's like, no, I'm going in there and got the arm triangle immediately because I think Charles Oliveira has become too used to and too comfortable with just laying on his back and being on the ground recovering from being dropped. With a guy like Islam, we learned you cannot do that because Islam will say, it doesn't matter, I will jump right in there and get the arm triangle. Once he had that arm triangle and Charles was rocked, it was, it was too late. It was way Islam too late. Islam had no fear. Exactly. Islam had no fear of the guard. You're absolutely exactly. right. And that's what the X factor was. Because the first round, they were it was pretty much a stalemate on the ground. Islam obviously won it because he was on top and controlling position. But Oliveira wasn't endangered at any point. When he was in danger is when he got dropped. And 
instead of like being immediately ready to defend, Oliveira's typically kind of lax and, and just takes a second. Islam jumped right in, got the arm triangle, it was over. So I think Oliveira, the one thing he needs to work on is just trying not to go down so easy, trying not to go down after every major punch because that's ultimately what led to the finish. That's the only thing I'd say, but I mean, Makachev, wow. And Hunter, like you said, I don't know if I'm ready for another uh, Dagestani reign at, at lightweight. Volkanovski's the last hope, and I'm favoring Islam in that fight so far. But yeah, that's yeah, that, those well, are my generic thoughts. When we have such uh, entertaining strikers in that division, it's almost like a slap in the face when you have I the know. Dagestani wrestler as the champ. You know, yeah. we can we can never get back that that you know uh, 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 Michael Chandler could have been champion. That I Dustin Poirier could have been champion. Justin Gaethje could have been champion. Now I don't see any of them having a shot. You know, they, they, like with Charles Oliveira, at least it was competitive because he can get knocked down and maybe get knocked out. With Islam, it's like, well, we've seen him get knocked out before in his first UFC fight, but he's been pristine right after that. And <laughs> yeah. boys, I also have, I have a little question to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Islam end up getting the longest win streak in the UFC? It's we'll say, probably. we'll say, yeah. He's not ever. He's a, he's a, he's a, he has a, uh, 12 now. Uh, he was at 11 before. Now he's at 12, I believe. What's the record? 16 Anderson Silva? I think it's 16 Anderson Silva, but the current longest is 14 with Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah, be. I think he gets it. So that, that, that just answered my next question of Volkanovsky versus Makachev. He'll be, he'll be bulk. I really think he'll be bulk. I think Volk's too small. I, I think, think that is such a good fight, though. I really think that. Like, I'm not saying I'm going to favor Volk over Islam because we need to talk about that. But I think, to see, technically speaking, that, like, you got to remember, Volk's stand up has gotten so much better. It's and it's better than Islam's, if we're being honest. No, it I is. Remember, it's good, but Volkanovsky got so much experience in the stand up now. Yeah. Um, he did that to a five foot eleven Holloway. So size is not going to bother Volk either. I'm really looking forward to when we do this episode because I think there's so much to talk about here that it's not going to be as simple as people think. Now, if Makachev lands, I think that's a very different story. But I, I think that is a far closer fight than people think it is. I really, really do. I'm just I think Volkanovsky is probably the last hope of chaos in the lightweight division. Uh, I agree. I think I think if Islam wins, he beats everybody else. Yeah. Uh, Benil is, is a fascinating matchup, but from what I've seen, I think Benil can be dropped just based off of his footwork. Um, I don't know. It's Benil is an interesting matchup, but I really do think Volkanovsky is the the last wall. He's, he's the wall from Islam domination and the lightweight division. And Honestly, look, I know I'm saying Makachev's going to win, but it is a very close fight whenever you think about it. And if anyone can do it, it can be Volkanovski. He's one of those guys with those title reigns just like Kamaru Usman, right? Kamaru Usman improved in every single fight you saw him do that. Max Holloway has never lost a fight like that. I didn't even know Max Holloway was capable of losing a fight like that. Volkanovski did it. The only thing that scares me, yes, Volkanov or Max Holloway is 5'11", but Makachev is that tall or a little less, but around 5'10 or whatever he is, but he's he's a big dude. Yeah. Charles big. Oliveira and, and Makachev are the same height. Makachev was physically a lot bigger he's than Charles Oliveira. Um, that's what scares me. But in Australia, which I think is going to happen in Australia, guys, that's uh, we need to hold a whole podcast just talking about that fight because that's going to be awesome. That's going to be a lot of fun. You know, oh, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like it's like Game of Thrones. You know, I, I like to bring yeah. it back to Game of Thrones here. Yeah. Um, Islam Makachev and the Dagestanis, they're like 
They're Russian. So they're coming from the cold. They come from the north. They're, they're, they're the relentless, uh, undying breed of they're going to attack the White and Walkers, keep attacking yeah, no yeah. matter what. Exactly. They're north of the wall right now. Yeah. The wall's last defense is good old Jon Snow or <laughs> Alexander Volkanovsky, right? You know, Volkanovsky can do it. It's just the odds are stacked against him with that army of the dead here. You know, it's it's scary what's coming here. And it's coming to Australia right now. You know, the yeah. cold's coming over. Be ready. The cold's going into the hot boys. It's going to be fun. Yeah. That was the first I'm so excited, though. I really am so excited for that fight. Because I, like, Markachev's going to be like a minus 600 favorite. There's no doubt about that. But I think Volk will put up a much stiffer test than a lot of people think he will. You know, how many times have we written Volk, well, not us written Volk off, but how many times have people written Volk off? Brian Ortega, he'll get choked out. He was able to survive the deepest guillotine I've ever seen. Oh, Holloway will knock him out. He outboxed the best boxer in the featherweight division's history. I do not think we should be writing off Alexander Volkanovsky just yet. If he loses, fair enough. That's absolutely fine. But I ain't writing Volkov just yet. He is Alexander the Great. And what did Alexander the Great do? He conquered most of the world. And I think Volk might be about to do the same. You use Game of Thrones. I use history. <laughs> Both are great. I like the Game of Thrones one. That was that was fun. The Game of Thrones one was smooth. Was I did like that. And I can picture Volk wearing the little coat and everything. <laughs> right? Yeah. In the black. Yeah. <laughs> I just see I see Islam with his eyes glowing, you know? <laughs> Someone needs to make an edit of that. Straight up. Someone needs yeah. to make an edit of that because that, that's we'll, amazing. We'll, we'll get our boys on it. We'll get that's our next that's our next post. Guys, yeah, we're gonna get our people yeah. on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just also, guys, before we wrap it up, I'm so glad the main card delivered because those prelims. Oh, yeah. Were up there for oh, the most were I've ever seen, except for Sean Brady Bilal Muhammad was a phenomenal fight. Yeah, but and that's exactly how we thought that was going to go. You know, the the wrestling kind of cancels out and they just start standing up. And I was shocked that Bilal did it, and he did it great. It um, looked but, almost as if Sean Brady gave up at one point. It, you know, it's yeah, like he's not he wasn't throwing back. Just, just a chicken wing punch or something like that. You know, just to show that he's still going and kicking would have saved him. Like from getting stopped, I thought. Also, I thought that was a terrible stoppage. I don't know about it you was guys. Really early. It was, I, I thought it was yeah. extremely early. Sean didn't get knocked down. He maybe got hit by three significant strikes in that whole flurry. It was just hard to watch him lose. Like, and you know, it could be because I hate Bilal Muhammad. No <laughs> Bilal Muhammad. <laughs> yeah. get the name. Um, but we think we think about dark horses. I like Benil Dariush way more than I like Bilal Muhammad as a Me dark too. horse. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I think, Sean, I think the one. Sorry, Jack, one had. I was real quick. I was just gonna say, Sean Brady. The only reason I agree with you, early stoppage. He just didn't help himself because he didn't throw yeah. anything at all. He was just kind of standing there and he exactly. just didn't help himself. You know, it sucked. That's literally what I was gonna say, Jack. So it's all good. <laughs> the only yeah. reason that was stopped is because he literally didn't throw a single punch back. Yeah. Even if he'd have thrown a jab, he would have seen the second round oh. out. Oh. Why he gave up and didn't throw anything back? I don't get it. I really don't, because I, I I think he was getting pissed off with the volume, but I don't think the damage was hurting him. I really don't. Mm. Um. So yeah, it's a weird one, but credit to Bilal Muhammad. He finally has an exciting win under his belt. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> he's the people's moral champion now. But um, yeah, it was a good win. Sean Brady's a tough guy. Bilal Muhammad, great win. I don't think he wants Chimaev though next. I think Chimaev will eat him. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh God, it would, it would not be. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I don't know anymore because Muhammad is, he keeps pulling it out out of nowhere, I feel like. So I don't mind it. 
Um, if they want to do that matchup, fuck it, do it. I, I'd like yeah. to see another person slaughtered. I, that's fine with me. <laughs> um, we just want to Look, I'm, I'm optimistic. I just hope that since he's been training with Habib, like they're telling him to be more entertaining, you know? Like, yeah. go for yeah, it. We probably watch for surely out of anyone. Yeah. Speaking of which, what did we think of Hamzat's cage side altercation with uh, with uh, the Nurmagomedov clan? I love it. They made up. I love it. They Fuck did it, like a dinner. It. They did the dinner party after. They're like, "Oh, we're all good." Oh, they did. Yeah, I didn't see that. Oh, well, that we're sucks. brothers. That's we're brothers. Nice. It's 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 nothing. We're brothers. Yeah. So they're all good. I I wish they didn't. I know. I want. I want. I want to see Habib come back at welterweight and fight <laughs> fucking Hamza. And if yeah. he can't make that cut, shit, Hamza can't either. So we'll go up to one eighty five. Yo, catch weight two hundred five. They're they were supposed to weigh at one seventy. <laughs> I love it. Hey, also by the way, I forgot about this. Has any crowd ever cheered that loud for Bilal Muhammad? No. I don't think you will That's never the hear first that time again. In history. You will history never hear that again. Oh. You know, Side bite that because that's never happening again. Uh, no, that that's the only time that will ever. The, the crowd has been that loud before for Bala Muhammad, but for booze, it has never been that loud yes. for cheers. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, plus it, everybody in Philadelphia wants him dead. Now. <laughs> and what about the call out then? He called out Leon Edwards, dude. Leon oh, Edwards, out off. of all the calls he could have done, he wants the guy that pieced him up on the feet, got him to a it's no contest. He. He's already fighting Kamara Usman again. Yeah. Of all the people he could have called out, he called out Leon Edwards. I mean, like, I just – he did call out Hamzat briefly, but I think we all know that fight's not going to happen anytime no. soon. It doesn't sell. No. Bilal Muhammad belongs in Aljamain Sterling's constant L-taking club. Hey, honestly, when he wins, he loses. Honestly. Yeah, and we saw – look, I know it was a little while ago, but we saw what Leon Edwards – did to him. I mean, Leon Edwards managed yeah. space in a smaller octagon. By the way, that should favor Blah Muhammad. Yeah. Uh, and he 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 picked him apart except for the eye poke. But yeah, I mean, guys, what a card! Great podcast. Oh. Uh, I think we dissected it pretty well. Um, thank you everyone so much for listening to us. Um, as always, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Check out our Instagram at mma.island.podcast. Constant content coming your way. Lots of fun stuff to look at. Um, you can listen to us everywhere, literally everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. And thank you, everyone, again, so much for listening. Great podcast, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody. See you on the next one.